Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7. Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you, Charlotte. Shall we just bow our heads as we come to the Lord in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you love your church that you loved us, and Lord, we pray that the words shared this evening will be one that will challenge us to be pleasing to you. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Is there such <coughs> a thing as a perfect church here on earth today? <coughs> Let me say that again. Is there such a thing as a perfect church on earth today. Well, if you do know of one, and I really mean a perfect church, a church where everyone loves each other, where there's no rivalry within, you know, where we all kind of just do things together, would you please tell me where it is? Because I want to be part of that church. But then again, I know that if I were to join that church, I would probably make it imperfect. The truth of the matter is, there is no such thing as a perfect church. Well, at least until Christ returns again in the second coming to take all, of us, take all of us home. But assuming there is indeed such a thing called a perfect church, what constitutes it as such? Is a perfect church due because it has a large venue? Because it has a huge congregation? because its annual budget is very healthy, 10 million a year? Or maybe a perfect church has to do with a successful children's ministry, a successful youth group, a successful evangelistic and discipleship program. Does all of these factors guarantee a perfect church? In the eyes of God, are these what he values from his bride? The passage today that was read by Charlotte in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, focuses on a particular church. 
And to be precise, it is the church in Ephesus. Now, on hindsight, looking at the works that they have achieved, well, you may say and argue that, well, perhaps it qualifies them to be a perfect church, a church that is approved by God. However, if we were to explore deeper into the text, we discover that this church is far from perfect. In fact, you will realize that Jesus gave this church his assessment of them, and he also adds a warning for all of us to heed. So let's first look at their works. What about this church that the Lord was praising them for? Well, look with me to verses 2 and 3. Here, the scripture says this, and John was writing, he says, I know your works, we are writing to the church of Ephesus, he says this, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Now, based on these two verses alone, there are several good points on the part of this church for us to note. To sum up, we see that this church, the good works they've done is that they persevered on. They patiently endured the suffering that came along their way. They hated what was evil. They didn't, uh, they didn't uh, uh, practice all this wickedness that is going on in the world. They tested against false prophets. They followed what Jesus warned them, that there will be false prophets, and they tasted against them, and they rejected all these teachings. They remained faithful to the end. And then if you look with me to verse 6, the Lord further approved of the hatred of the Nicolaitans, not Nicholas Tan, huh? Nicolaitans. And without going into much detail, the Nicolaitans are basically a group where the early mainstream church considered as heretics. There were a group of people who were spreading false teachings and leading many of the faithful believers astray with their doctrines. So we can certainly say it and applaud and admire the, the commendable actions of the church in Ephesus. They are very much likened to any modern church of today where the church is striving to be faithful, where the church is standing up against what is evil, where the church is going against the lawless practice that you and I are facing today, right now. So if all that was achieved, we would think that God would be approved and God would be proud of the Ephesian church. They were, in a way, an idol model for us to emulate. After all, it does seem that they are a perfect church. But no, they were not. Listen now to the Lord's assessment of them in verse 5. Jesus says these words to them, You have fallen. Did you hear that? The church in Ephesus that we deem as perfect, that we see as one that is approved by God in His eyes, is imperfect. They have fallen. Now, if you were a member of those church, these words perhaps must have cut deep into the hearts of them after all that they have achieved. And the question, therefore, for us is this. Where have they 
fallen? Why is it that Jesus says that this church in Ephesus had fallen, despite all the good things that they have done? Now, this is an important point as we, as part of the body of Christ, we must not miss. Where they have fallen, Jesus points this out in verse 4. And listen to Jesus' explanation as to why they have fallen. Jesus says this, But I have this against you. Yes, you may have done all these things. You may have endured patiently. You may be bearing up my namesake. You may rise up against those who are evil. You have, you have, you have not supported the, 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 the false, uh, false prophets, but I have this against you. And what is it? That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Let me say this again. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, what is this love that Jesus was referring to, to which the church in Ephesus had abandoned? It was simply their first love for God. You see, the Ephesus church had lost their first love for God by failing to put Him first in their lives. But wait a minute. Didn't we just hear correctly just a while ago that the church was praised by Jesus by performing all the good things that was mentioned? Isn't this ample proof of their love for God? Well, church, it's important for us to understand this. You see, we can do many wonderful things that God desires. We can do all the things that pleases God, but yet we can have no relationship or no love for Christ. You see, what God values from you and I is not all these good works. It's not all the things that makes Him happy. What He values from you and I is our first love for Him. In one of Jesus' teaching while he was on this earth, he thought the crowd this. He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, On that day, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus will declare this to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow, can you imagine? If today on this earth we are doing so many good things, and when Christ comes again to hear these words from Jesus, that I never knew you. You may have done all these good works, but I do not know you. Depart from me. How would you have felt? Well, note that the seriousness that when we lose our first love of God, when our first love of God is missing, there will be no relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus makes it very clear that if you don't have that relationship with Him, you may do all these good works, Jesus will not acknowledge you at all. And not only will He not acknowledge you, the works that you perform will not be recognized by God. In fact, if you listen to what Jesus says, the words that you, the works that you perform, Jesus even considered them as lawless. In other words, they are useless. In another of Jesus' teaching, in Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9, 
Jesus also said these words, that the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. So yes, we can be doing good works, we can be coming to church, worshiping the Lord, but where is our heart? Is our heart having that first love for Jesus? The church in Ephesus fell because of this very reason. And you know, the sobering thought for you and I is that this can happen to all of us. We can lose this first love if it has not already begun. How so? Well, when things like our families, when things like our careers begin to clog our interests, that's where we are not putting God first. For the young people, it's when you begin to put your studies ahead of coming to church. That's where you have not put God first. When you don't read your Bible, when you don't read the Word of God daily, when you don't worship Him in church on a regular basis, God is not first in your life. Or even if you're going to church, but you're just going through the motion of spirituality, and you're serving just out of, you know, not because you love the Lord, your heart is far from Him. So have we lost our first love for God? Has other priorities taken over as our first love? As quoted by Oswald Chambers, and I like what he says, your priorities must be God first, God second, God third. Everything that we do, God must be first place in our life. What God approved of the church is not our works, but our love for Him. Now, if we have missed it, the passage also sends out a very serious warning. And the warning is one of repentance. And not surprisingly, you find that John writes here the word repentance mentioning twice in this one verse, in verse 5. He says this, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And what is repentance? Repentance is simply making a 180 degrees turn back to the original position. So if you're loving God first and then you slip away, repentance means you turn back the 180 degrees and go back to the time where you first loved God, where you first put Him as your one and only Savior. It is to renew our first love for Him. And I'm sure some of us, we may have drifted away from the Lord in what is termed as a wilderness phase in our lives. And I believe this is no thanks to the COVID situation over the last three years. And truth of the matter is, we all go through it in different seasons of our lives. I will confess to you that I myself, in my earlier days as a Christian, I've experienced it. <laughs> Being a young teenager, growing up in a Christian environment, I was very fervent for the Lord. 
You should see my Bible. Every page, I will write something. You know, what I've learned, I will put it at the column. You know, I will just write something. My pages were full of highlight and so forth. But I fell. I fell. When? Unfortunately, when I went into the army. When I went into the army, <coughs> that's where I got into bad company. I did all sorts of bad things. But I realized that I have to come back out of this wilderness experience. And I thank the Lord that I repented. And as I changed, that's why I'm able to stand here today, right now, talking to you. It's vital, therefore, that even though when we fall, as the Bible tells us, we need to repent. It's vital that we need to know where we have fallen and repent and come out of this period to back to where we were. The Bible in this passage also tells us if we don't repent, there's a very serious consequence. And what is it? Well, look with me to the second part of verse 5. Jesus says this, that if, we, if the church in Ephesus did not repent, he says, if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You see, the significance of the church as a lampstand is taught by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, where he calls his church the light of the world. And you and I are part of the church. You and I as Christians, we ought to be shining with the light of Christ by living out a godly life. The churches of Christ are therefore to walk in the light of God and spread the light of the gospel so that all people can see and glorify God. But if the church has lost her first love for the Lord, if we have lost our first love for God, what good are we? How can we therefore shine? If we have lost our first love, in God's perspective, the church then ought to be removed from the lampstand. To put it bluntly, in the words of the Bible, the church ought to be removed from existence. It's a serious warning, isn't it? But the warning, let me say, is also applicable not only to the churches in Ephesus, not only to the churches that you see, but it's applicable to you and I here in All Saints Church. Yes, we may be growing. Yes, we may be attending cell group. Yes, we may be coming to church service. We may be reaching out to the community as we're going to do so in the near future at Bedford South. We may be doing what God wants of us. But listen, if we have lost this first love, we, He will remove us from his sight. Growing up, I came across this, I read this biography of this man called Tom Landry. I don't know whether you heard of him, but Tom Landry was one of the most successful American football coach for the Dallas Cowboys from 1966 to 1985. And Tom Landry attributed his success by always putting God first in his life. But this was not so earlier in his life. 
Earlier in his life, his priorities was always his family and his career. It was only when he was introduced to Christ that he learned to put God first and success as a coach soon followed. In one of his interviews, he shared that his principle in life was now simply this. Before it was career and family, now he says that God is first, his family comes second, and his career third. You see, Tom Landry understood this principle, that he will never come second when he put God first. Amen? He will never come second if he put God first. And you will never come second if you put God first in your life. In the words of Ezra Benson, a religious leader who served as the Secretary of Agriculture during both presidential terms of Dwight Eisenhower, he says this, when we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. Our love for the Lord will govern the claims of our affection, the demands of our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities. So yes, a church may produce many good and excellent works, but if she has lost her first love to God, she is useless to Him. The church in Ephesus had only one fault compared to its impressive array of deeds. Yet God said, I will remove you from the lampstand. This one fault far outweighed all that we do. And today as we celebrate both Alexandra and Chihan's baptism, the message for you is simply this. Yes, you are now excitedly serving the Lord. You know, you, you say that you want to baptize. Praise the Lord. But be careful that you don't fall and eventually along the way lose that first love. It's a warning for us that if we, if we don't repent and come back, the Word of God says He will remove us from our lampstand. What God desires from us as a church is not the good works. What God desires of us as a church is our love for Him. So as we stand and prepare to sing our response song, I want us to just spend this moment as we reflect over the words that has been shared. Have we lost our first love for God? This is a question that only you can answer. And as we just reflect over this for a moment, as we close our eyes, as we bow our heads, If indeed we have lost this first love, and I mentioned it's, it's, it's no shame because we all have gone through before. What God wants from us is take that step of repentance. So wherever we are, if we truly have lost this first love, we have not put God first, would you, where you are as you're seated, just spend a moment in repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. I've not put you first. In the things that should, uh, the things that I should be doing. 
Let's spend a moment as we allow the Spirit to just search our hearts and to move us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, this evening we thank you once again for your word, for reminding us that what you desire is for us to return back to that first love. We turn back to the moment, to the time where we accepted you as our Lord and Savior, to the time where we so truly love you, that we so truly want to do everything that will please you, that will bring honor to your name. And Father, we know that along the way, Sometimes our life, our hearts have grown cold. Father, you know each and every one of us. And for those of us who may have gone through this wilderness spirit, Father, we just turn to you and pray that as we repent, may we continue to renew this first love to shine for you. May we continue to bring glory to your name. So bring us back to that time where we first loved you wholeheartedly, to the time where we just want to do everything to please you. So, Father, help us that as we turn to you, may you continue to strengthen us. Hallelujah. Shall we stand? And as a response, that we want to return back our first love to the Lord, let's declare, let's sing by declaring the song that he is indeed our greatest love. sing from the top let's make it a prayer and declare that today as we repent if we have sinned against the Lord that we will make him our greatest love our first love hallelujah every new day 
Let's receive uh, God's blessing. May the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your heart and mind the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a song of closing.
Let me just quickly say grace for dinner and then we can go out. There's dinner provided. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the new lives that we celebrate. We thank you for Tihan, for Alex and Lord, for how you have just led them to where they are today. We thank you for leading them through. Lord, indeed, may they, along with us, return and stick with our first love. Bless the food, even as we partake. Bless our fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dinner is served. 516 photo first. Thank you. Oh 